wonderful, wonderful. You are sounding good this morning. I'll tell you, I should just come to Berlin every weekend just for some of that worship. Yeah, give the band a hand. It's fantastic. Well, just stay standing for a moment. You know, uh, I've known your pastors for a long time now, many years, as, as Pastor Andrew said, and uh, your whole family, Pastor Steve and Pastor Karen Mack and Andrew and Vera and Elena, you know, I just love them and I love their heart for God, for the lost and for the church and for this city. And I spend all my days on the road traveling here, there and everywhere. And I meet many different leaders and many different pastors, many different ministers. But I have to say, in that family, you have a very special family that came here all back in 2004, started or took this on in 2005. And I know they could have gone anywhere else in the world, but God called them to this city. They've stayed faithful. I know they love this city. And look what God is, is doing through them and you guys here. So why don't we take a moment to thank them. Wonderful. All right, you may be seated. And we're going to get into this in just a moment. Before we do, I always like to just share quickly about my family. You know, I was last here in uh, 2019, just before COVID. And uh, I'm married to one wife, praise God. <laughs> just checking you're still awake. And... Uh, We've got two miracle children, and they are miracles. I'm going to touch on a bit of my story a bit later, but I want to show you a photograph of my, my two daughters. They're going to put them up, Lila and Lucille. Here they are. Okay, so that's Lila, Lila Hope, and this is Lucille Faith. And Lila means beautiful, beautiful hope, and Lucille means bright, and her middle name is Faith, bright faith. You see, whenever you're believing God for a miracle, you have to hold hope in one hand and faith in the other, and that's where God will meet you in the middle. We were told that we may never have children. So if you've never seen a miracle, you have now. You have now. They're, they're wearing my, my favorite football team shirt. My wife does not like football. I had to quickly get this photograph before I got told off. They're not allowed to wear football kit in my house. But they're, they're, they're my girls, and uh, I love them dearly. But as I said, it's been a journey. And uh, we, I'm going to talk a bit more about it in a moment. But, but sadly, we lost our first child, a beautiful girl that we had named Elle. And uh, my wife gave birth to her at full term, nine months. And uh, unfortunately, she wasn't breathing. And it was uh, devastating uh, what happened. And she would have been seven years old this year. But a couple of years ago, I wrote about it. And I wrote a book called The Wrestle is Worth It because actually we all wrestle in life. We all wrestle with things, whether it's loss, grief, your dreams, addictions. Maybe you wrestle with something over your past or, or something even right now in your present. And so as I was writing this book, I wanted to open it up to a number of things and encourage you to hang on in there because every wrestle you, you endure is worth it. There is always a blessing attached to the fight. And so this book, I, I, I've given some money off today, it's 10 euros, and I want to encourage you to grab a copy or buy one for your friend. It's easy to read. I write as I speak. I'm easy to follow, hey? And so here, Pastor Andrew, why don't you bless someone? If, if someone wants this for free, grab it, and uh, please be blessed by it, and uh, be encouraged. I pray that it will help you. Anyway, are you ready for the Word? Praise God. Do you know it took me seven hours to get here yesterday? I was stuck on the plane for hours at Gatwick and then hours at Berlin. The enemy didn't want me here, but who knows? God has other ideas. So 
We got to my hotel at about 11.30 last night. A bit tired, but full of, the, full of energy in the spirit. Anyway, I'm going to pray, and then, then we'll go. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do indeed thank you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this, this group of people that are here today. And Lord, I ask right now that every man, every woman, and every child under the sound of my voice will leave church different to the way they came in. Father, I pray that minds will be renewed, that souls will be refreshed, that hearts will be transformed. Oh, oh Lord, we ask that this word this morning will be a word in season and will breathe life and hope and faith into people's situations right now. And so, Father, we praise you and we thank you in advance for what you're going to do today and a faith-filled Berlin church said, Amen and Amen. Guten Morgen. I've been practicing my German. The title of my message is this, Building on the Rock. Building on the Rock. Have you ever had a bad day? Mm, yeah, the job didn't go to plan. You woke up in that same pain. The, the dream broke down. Perhaps you even had a fallout with your spouse on the way to church this morning. I have a good friend called Mark. And in Mark's garden is a pond. And situated next to Mark's pond is a rather large and relatively flat rock. Now, this rock is not some decorative feature. No, when Mark was building his pond, he deliberately, he deliberately positioned that rock there. You see, what Mark does when he has a bad day is he goes down to his pond and he stands on that rock. For the moment he stands on that rock, he starts to think about things, he reflects on things, but most importantly, he prays about things. He stands on that rock and he prays. And he has told me that the moment he stands on that rock and the moment he starts to pray, he is reminded who is for him, who is on his side, and that despite how bad his day may be or the season that he is in, how challenging it is, it reminds him that if God be for him, then who could be against him? That his situation will get better. And so our passage of text this morning comes from Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27, and they're going to put it up, I believe, on the big Bible. Who likes a big Bible? How many people brought your Bible? Oh, I can see a few too many phones in here this morning. It says this, verse 24 in chapter 7, and this is Jesus speaking. He says this, Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put these words into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. When we arrive here in Matthew 7, 24, Jesus is concluding a talk that he had been giving to his disciples. He had taught them a number of things that are recorded in the previous two chapters. Things like loving your enemies, 
going the extra mile, doing good deeds like giving and giving to charity. He taught them on priorities and how to seek God first. He spent a large amount of time teaching them not to worry about tomorrow, but to trust God to be with them today. And there were a number of other things he discussed with them too. But basically, he was defining and highlighting some core Christian values, principles and truths to live by that are going to help you and I, followers of Christ, live a full and fruitful life. And so to emphasize the importance of adhering to his instructions, he uses a story about two builders. Both constructed a house, yet one was called wise, the other was called foolish. Now, I cannot answer for you, but if given the choice, I would imagine that the, the majority of us in here would want to be wise. <laughs> it's not much fun being foolish. You see, having wisdom is the ability to judge correctly and follow the best course of action based on knowledge and understanding. In other words, wisdom is the power of discernment. Now, King Solomon from the Old Testament, he, he had all the wealth in the world. But when God asked him in 1 Kings 3 verse 9 what else he needed, do you know what Solomon asked God for? He asked God for more wisdom. He didn't want more money. He didn't want more power. He didn't want more fame. He didn't want more social media followers. It's that nervous laugh, you know. No, he wanted wisdom because he knew that if God gave him wisdom, then everything else he needed would fall into place. And so as Jesus shares this parable, it is important to note what he says first. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. If you've got your Bibles, underline those few words and puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Do you know, this is a crucial part of this conversation. It's not enough. It is not enough to just hear things. My five-year-old daughter, Lila, she is very good at hearing me when I ask her to tidy up her toys. She acknowledges my, my request. She knows what I am asking of her. She also knows where those toys are supposed to go at the end of the day. However, she still seems to fall a little bit short at putting my words into practice. Any parents understand my pain? Thank you very much. <laughs> I know I'm not alone. You see, we can all hear things, sound advice, sensible feedback, uh, solid instructions, but what do you do once you've heard them? Take Sunday, for example. You come into church and you hear a good sermon. It challenges you. It encourages you. It, it makes you want to go out from this place and do something different with your life. However, by Monday morning, <laughs> you've forgotten what you heard. Now, that, that's perhaps not intentional. Maybe the day got busy and you had other things to do, but I would suggest the main reason it slipped your mind is because you, you didn't action what you heard. 
Actions help you remember. Actions demonstrate that we heard what was said. I once heard a story about a man in New York City who died at the age of 63. Let's call him Frank. (laughs) I think Frank is a good New York name. Frank. So Frank, he spent his entire adult life in college. And, you know, some would say he had more degrees than a thermometer. I know, it's a dad joke. I liked it myself. But when Frank was a child, a wealthy relative died and named him as a beneficiary in his will. And it stated this, that Frank was to be given enough money to support him every year as long as he stayed in school. And then once he had completed his education, then that financial assistance was to stop. Well, guess what? Frank never left school. He never left school. Yes, he he had a steady income. But this was not what his wealthy relative had intended for him. You see, unfortunately, Frank spent hours upon hours listening to professors, reading books, acquiring more and more knowledge, but he never did anything with what he learned. He never did anything with what he heard. Now, I am not for one moment devaluing the importance of hearing or the importance of listening. Listening is a skill that you cannot overlook if you are to grow and develop in life. I am just pointing out what Jesus said in this parable, that hearing the word doesn't necessarily build the house. Mm. Hearing the word doesn't necessarily build the house. We're not in this awesome church today because your your wonderful pastors heard a word from God all those years ago and then sat back and did absolutely nothing with what they heard. No, we're here today because they took a hold of what they heard along with a team of volunteers and staff over the the many years who decided that they were going to work hard, they were going to give sacrificially, they were going to turn up week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out so that we can be a part of that today. You see, nothing just happens. Nothing just happens. James 1.22 says this. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are fooling yourself. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. And this was the first mistake of the foolish builder. He did not action what he heard, whereas the wise builder did. The second major difference, and this is what I really want to focus on this morning, is what they built their foundations on. I am not a builder by trade. In fact, I have no experience in that field whatsoever. I am hopeless. I mean, I am absolutely hopeless at any sort of DIY or activities that involve making things. Terrible. I mean, if you had seen me just last year assisting my wife in trying to build our new girl's bed, you would see that I am not lying. Do pray for Lisa. She she needs some help in my house. But I do know this. 
I do know this, despite my, my shortcomings, despite my incompetencies, despite my lack of knowledge in the building field, I know that when you build a house, you do not start with the roof first. Nor do you put in the windows or install your front door. No, you begin with the foundations. Everything rests on the foundations. Do you know why the leaning tower of Pisa is leaning? I'll tell you why. Because it was built on uneven foundations due to the soft ground that lay underneath. Foundations are essential. They are essential for everything else being in order. In this parable, you see, I'll tell you this, the shift in foundation means your house is in trouble from the start. They are essential. In this parable, these builders, they may have had the same tools, the same brief, the same budget, but one thing is for certain, they did not start in the same place. <laughs> the foolish man, he went to the sand, and that represents quick work, cheap work, easy work. Give me a wave if you've ever built a sandcastle at a beach. Has anyone ever built? Okay, good. Some of you have lived a good life. <laughs> Sandcastles are great fun. They can look awesome. You can get as creative as you want with your design. They can be as big or as small as you desire. They can have bridges and balconies. They can have turrets and towers. But I doubt you would live in your sandcastle. You wouldn't live in a sandcastle. Why? I'll tell you why. Because one wave, one wave would destroy it. One wave would wipe it out. Let alone when a, when a storm rolls in. And Jesus said in this parable, with this storm, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So no matter how exceptional its construction was, no matter how good it may have looked on the outside, because that foundation was not built on solid ground, it came to his destruction. This builder, this house, he lost absolutely everything. Whereas the man who Jesus described as wise, he built his house on the rock, a solid foundation. I went and asked my building friends, those that are in the trade, I asked them, what is it like to build a house on the rock? And they said, Luke, it's not easy. It's not easy building on a rock. It's going to cost you more. It's going to take more time. It's going to exert more energy. However, the Bible says that when the storms and when the rain beat against this house, it, was, it withstood the pressure. And when the wind started to, to blow, it was not shaken. And when the streams started to rise, that house was not washed away because its foundation was anchored to the rock. Now you may be saying right now, okay, Luke. Okay, Luke, I understand that. I get what you're saying. But what does that mean for me? Well, firstly, I need to make it clear to you that Jesus here is not necessarily referring to a physical house that you and I live in. In, a, in the Bible, the house is referred to in a few different ways. A house can refer to your personal life, the who you are, and the interests you keep. 
The house or a house can refer to your family. The house can refer to the church. So in other words, Jesus in this parable is challenging you and I on what we build our lives on. There is no question about which foundation is stronger. But he is asking you this morning, which one do you live on? Which one do you live on? Are you on the rock or are you on the sand? By building your life on the sand means that you are placing your trust in things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Oh, you just live for your earthly possessions. The car you drive, the money you you earn. Perhaps for you, your life is all about your gifts, your strengths and your talents. Maybe you build everything. Everything in your life is about your career, your identity, or trying to please other people. Friend, can I tell you, The the danger, the danger with living your life like that. If you have built everything you know around yourself and you encounter a bad day or the storms of life sweep in, then how do you shelter? How do you shelter? Where do you find your peace when all hell breaks loose? Where do you go next when when you accomplish what you set out to accomplish and that buzz wears off? Where do you go? 1 John 2, 15 reminds us that the things of this world, the desires of our flesh, the longing of our eyes, the pride in our possessions will pass away. However, if you choose to build your life on the rock, that means you have decided to build your life on the truth of God's Word, an eternal foundation that cannot be destroyed. The rock the Lord Jesus Christ. Give him a hand if you believe it. Is this helping you today? I know I get a bit loud. Do you know, I was preaching last year. This isn't in my notes, so I'm just going to give you this for free. I was preaching last year in a very large Anglican church, Church of England, about 700 people, and the majority of the congregation were very old, elderly people, lovely people. You don't need to laugh. They were great. They were wonderful. <laughs> and I was preaching loud. And after the service, this 90-year-old lady came up to me. And she said, Luke, as you were preaching, I turned off my hearing aid. I thought I had been healed. <laughs> I said, praise God, sister, you have been healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> Maybe the keys, the person playing the keys can come forward, please. Now, I need to be honest with you and say that just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean that your life will be completely trouble-free. In life, we all face storms, every single one of us, public storms, private storms, Storms that you can prepare for, storms that take you by surprise. And I'm not talking about storms that include some thunder or some lightning. I'm talking about those emotional storms, mental storms, physical storms, spiritual storms. And I too know what it's like 
to have been in some storms. Don't be fooled by my appearance. Don't think, oh, just because he's a preacher, he must have everything together. He must have the most perfect life. (laughs) Oh, I can tell you, I've had my fair share of storms too. In 2015, an unexpected storm hit my house through the stillborn birth of my first baby girl, beautiful baby girl that we had called Elle. It was a miracle that we'd even conceived. My wife gave birth to her, but she was born without a beating heart. No breath in her lungs. I held baby L for three days, believing that God could raise her from the dead. But he didn't do it. And so in the days that followed, instead of picking out small pink baby clothes, I was picking out a small pink baby coffin instead of planning a welcome home party I was planning a funeral instead of celebrating her life we were mourning her death storms escape no one and perhaps for you right now Your storm is similar to mine. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe your storm is a bad medical report that you've recently received. Maybe your storm is over your finances. Perhaps it's over a relationship breakdown. Maybe your storm is overwhelming anxiety. And I'm talking about that anxiety that keeps you up every single night of the week. Maybe your storm is an identity crisis that so much has happened to you, been said about you, that you don't know who you are anymore. Maybe your storm is an addiction that just will not break. Maybe your storm is over your children, that your children are in trouble, or perhaps for you, your storm is in the workplace, that the job you're in, it just isn't what it once was. Storms. Storms, storms. Do you know people panic? People drift. People walk away when they're in a storm. But because we live in a fallen world, friend, battles, challenges, trials are going to come. But can I encourage you today? What you build your life on will determine whether you come through that storm or whether you come crashing down. For a storm will always put to test what you're standing on. It will always put to test what you're standing on. Oh friend, you may be in the middle of a storm right now. Well, I'm glad you came to church this morning. Don't you waste time complaining that life is unfair. 
Don't get discouraged and think, oh, I always seem to have the bad breaks. I'm a Christian and yet still this always seems to happen to me. Scripture says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But it's in those tough times. That's where you need to tell yourself that where you are right now is not the end. That the enemy does not have the final say over your life, over your situation. God does. God does. You see, my Bible says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Isaiah said that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a barrier. David said in Psalm 32, that you are my hiding place. You protect me and surround me with songs of deliverance. And God Himself said in Hebrews 13 verse 5, that never, never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. Friend, God does not leave you in the storm. The presence of your storm does not indicate a lack of God's presence. Did you hear that? The presence of your storm does not mean a lack of God's presence. You're never alone. It may feel like God is sleeping sometimes. It may feel like He's asleep in the boat. But He's still in the boat. (laughs) He's right by your side. You see, being a person of faith, does not exempt us from difficulties, but it does guarantee us this, that when the storm is over, when the opposition has ceased, when that hurricane runs out of power, one thing a life that honours God can be sure of is that you will still be standing. You will still be standing. Your house will not fall. I promise you I'm nearly finished. Otherwise, I'll just preach all day. Actually, I am preaching all day. (laughs) In fact, can I encourage you? Come back to the three o'clock service. I'm gonna preach a message on taking the limits off your faith. I'm gonna pray for people, the sick, those believing for a miracle. So make sure you come back, okay? You gotta promise me. And go and bring a friend as well. Good, good. Thank you, Berlin Church. But as I finish... Don't neglect building your life on the rock. Focus on your foundations. Draw close to Him. Draw close to our Father in heaven. And let me tell you how you do that. You do that by opening up your Bible each day. Get dependent on His Word. Follow in His ways. Learn to trust Him. Worship Him. Plant yourself in the church. Be a part of the church. I thank God for this church and and all that it's doing across this great city. You know, there's nothing quite like the local church. You know, when we come into church, we can encourage one another in our faith. We can can worship the, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords together in unity. We can hear powerful teaching from the Word of God that can change and transform your life. Do you know that God has an answer for your greatest need and it is found in the study of His Word? It's in here. Everything you need, everything you desire, it's in here. It's in His Word. It's in His Word. And so friend, wherever you are today, I want you to hear this. God is not leading you into defeat. 
the message of Jesus is victory. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, in this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Jesus laid down His life because your life matters. He wore a crown of thorns so that you and I could wear a crown of life. And so whatever storm you're in today, it doesn't have to be the end for you. Don't be like the foolish man who heard the things of God but chose not to do anything with what he heard. And don't wait for a storm to hit your life, to hit your existence before you make a decision to run to Jesus. Make that decision today. It's not too late. The Lord wants to help you. You are not beyond repair. You can start again. You can rebuild and fix your foundations by giving your life to Jesus Christ. For Jesus is your rock. He is your healer. He is your hope. He is your joy. He is your peace. He is your provider. He is your redeemer. He is your strength. He is your salvation. And my God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. God loves you. From the youngest to the oldest in this place. No matter how many times you've messed up. No matter how many times you've fallen away. No how many times you've doubted or questioned Him. He loves you. He loves you. And so right now, very quickly, I want to give you an opportunity to make your peace with God. I do this wherever I go. I just want to take a moment for you to say yes to Jesus. And so right now, if I could have every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to embarrass you or call you to the front this morning. This isn't about me and you. This is about you and God. You see, the Bible says that Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. He took our sin, our shame, our guilt. He took it to the grave. But the Bible also says that three days later, the grave could hold Him no more and Jesus Christ would rise from the dead. In rising from the dead, He would break through the chains of our sin. He would smash through the bonds of death and He would make a way. He would make a way for you and I to be forgiven, loved and accepted. The Bible calls this the gift of salvation. It is a gift that cannot be bought. It cannot be earned. It cannot be worked for. It is a gift that we receive by faith. And we receive that gift by repenting of our sins, which means we say sorry to God for all the bad things we've done and we turn our hearts towards Him and we invite Him to come alive on the inside of us. And the Bible says the moment you do that, you become a new creation and your life will never be the same again. And so if I'm talking to you this morning, I'm going to count to three. And on three, I just want you to lift your hands high. Like I said, I'm not going to call you to the front. This is between you and God. So right now, Christians in prayer, maybe you've never made this decision before. 
Perhaps it's the first time you've ever come to church, but you know something's stirring on your insides. I see hands going up already. Or perhaps once upon a time, you had said yes to Jesus, but the storms of life have blown you off course. You've backslidden, you've fallen away. But you know this morning, you need to recommit your life to Jesus and live for Him again. If that's you on three, like I say, I see hands already. Here we go. Would other people join these people right now? One, two, three. Thank you, 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 thank you. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. There's Christians in this place that are clapping. You can clap. Come on, you can clap. You can clap. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Wow, there's many of you this morning. Well, here's what we're going to do. You can put your hands down. I want us all to pray this prayer after me, but especially those of you that raised your hand. And even if you didn't raise your hand, but you know you want to make that decision this morning, I want you to pray this nice and loud too. So come on, church, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Today, I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me from my sins. Father, I turn towards you and I accept your gift of grace. I ask that you would use me as a follower of Christ to make your name known all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give those people and our God a round of applause. Could you all just stand to your feet for a moment? I want to pray for you all in just a moment. But before I do that, I know one of the pastors is going to get up in a moment and explain to those that made that decision today what to do next. But can I be the first? The first person to congratulate you. I made that decision when I was 20 years old. I'm 38 now. I know I don't look it. But God came into my heart when I was 20. My life changed. It was never the same again. And so I'm excited for those of you that are saying yes to Him today. It's my favourite part of, of a service. I love preaching, but there's nothing better than seeing people give their hearts to Jesus. In fact, the Bible says that right now, there is a party going on in heaven. And I know how much you people of Berlin love to party. Well, this party's on a whole different level. So congratulations. But look, I want to pray for you. You know, I've talked about standing firm on the rock through the storms of life. And I know that there are many storms represented in this room. I probably touched on a few earlier, but there were probably some that I didn't say. But we're all going through something. Something probably very small, Something's very large. And so it would be amiss of me not to pray God's goodness, God's peace over your situation. So if you could right now, take the hand of the person on your left and on your right. I often do this. I know it's a bit uncomfortable. (laughs) But I often do it to show that you're not alone. 
and that there are people in this room, even if you don't know that person's name on your left or on your right, that we're standing together. That, that we're going we're gonna to stand in faith. We're going to stand in the gap and believe. Even if you don't have enough faith for your own situation, by taking that hand on the left or on the right, you have faith for that other person's situation. So let me pray for you. You can pray out loud. You can pray in your heart. But just bow your heads, close your eyes and start to pray. You can pray for the neighbour on your left or on the right. That's it. Just begin to pray. Maybe you don't even know what to say. (laughs) Think about them. Think about the goodness of God. Think about what I've said today. Let faith begin to arise from within. I want you to know today that nothing is too hard for God. And no matter how high or how hard or how, how bad that storm may be, our God is above it all. And that you can find peace in the storm. Come on, that's it. That's it. Father, Spirit of the living God, Lord, we thank You that Your Word declares that You are a miracle working God, that You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, I know that there are many in storms right now, but we know that if we stand on Your promises, then that storm will not defeat us, that storm will not destroy us, for You have the final say. And so God, right now, right now, I want to release faith in this place. Lord, that You'll breathe peace into people's hearts, peace into people's situations. Lord, that You'll breathe Your healing, healing, healing into people's bodies, into people's minds. Father, we declare restoration over broken relationships, over shattered dreams. Lord, I ask for provision, provision to flow into people's homes, into that workplace, into those businesses. You are Jehovah Jireh. So Lord, breathe on your people this morning. Lord, may we look to you, may we look to you and not be shaken as we stand on the truth of your word. Lord, we thank you for every miracle, every miracle that's taking place in people's lives right now. We thank you that you're a good and faithful God in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said one more time, amen and amen. God bless you, church.